Hey everyone, welcome to another exciting episode of the Scratch the Track podcast presented by the Dude and Grim Show and co-produced by Mr. I-V-E-S-T. I'm the Dude. And I am Grim. And today we are going down in the downward down. spiral. Yes. Not the further yes. downward spiral. We're not going to do the remix version. Uh, we're just doing the standard, uh, not the compromised second draft. So. Definitely not. Um, so Grim, this was released March 8th, 1994. Now, to put a few things in context, let's just bring ourselves back to 1994. Okay. Um, We're, you know, I'm 13. Uh, some some of the popular films of that year, uh, Pulp Fiction, oh. Forrest Gump, Shawshank Redemption, Natural Born Killers. Some of the top albums from 1994. We got Super Unknown, Definitely mm. Maybe, Illmatic, Dookie. Ready to Die, Ill Communication, Weezer's Blue Ooh. Album, and Vitalogy. So just kind of just want to frame things a little bit. Not exactly you know. like a light year for really no. anything in, in um, you know, Dude. popular culture, the arts. Yes, a, a, a very solid year uh, for, for music. Um, now, <clears throat> you know, I uh, this... I think as I've gotten older, my perception of this album may may have changed a little bit. Um, I think I think maybe when I was younger, I didn't fully appreciate um, the maybe the intensity and no, every I, everything that was going on. Um, dude, what, what it, it, a lot of it was about. It was like I knew closer because closer was on MTV. Sure. You know, it, it, yeah. it like you knew that. And I just, I, I don't know what it was. I liked that song. I always thought it was sweet, but it was also one of those albums where I'm like, I just associated it with like the people that um, they were a little like darker and more out there than I was. It just didn't, it just, just didn't seem like my kind of scene at that age. Yeah. But like you said, as I got older, I really um, grew to like Nine Inch Nails. And I would say... Well, even more like around the time of college, I think, was when it all kind of really clicked. Like when With Teeth came out. And then, of course, you go backwards in the catalog. Fred, it was just yeah. it was just pretty dark for me as a kid. Yeah. And I mean, I've I'm going to sound like such an old man now, but, I, you know, there there was criticism of this album when it came out. Yeah. Um, and now being over 40 years old, looking back at it, I'm like, geez, man, I get this, it. This is some dude. There's some heavy shit like like he was. Um, there's he no was way a 13 year old kid should have went out and bought this record. Yeah, he I, was. It's you know, not for 60. Them. Yeah, he, he was born in 65. So when this uh, so when he recorded it in 92, 93, that puts him at 27, 28 years old, um, you know, and he had already had. I mean, pretty hate machine was successful toured put out broken then had this one um and they had done sort of the the lollapalooza lollapalooza circuit and that was a that was a big sort of um you know inspiration i guess for um everything that kind of like embodied this album what it came to be and everything that you know he was feeling and going through at at the time but for for again for someone who's you know 27 28 years old who has gone through some serious shit and who is writing about it yeah that's some heavy stuff for younger kids to be listening to that's heavy but stuff for someone of his for, age for, yeah yeah or, or, or and, i mean good 
No, I was just going to say, and if you just, if you sum up the, the whole, like, sort of the Cliff Notes version of the album is like, somebody is sort of in a self-destructive path and goes to down, down the spiral and ends up killing themselves. I mean, like, if you just want to surmise the whole thing like that, um, yeah, that's a dark journey for anyone, but especially a kid who just doesn't really know, as they would say, their ass from a hole in the ground yet. Yeah. So the thing is, though, what what I think is a ama- what, what I love about this album is that I, I would I would describe this album as disturbingly beautiful. And it is the most I think it's probably the most authentic album like ever recorded. I just think for, for where it comes from inside of Trent Reznor, like, dude, all these emotions, all these thoughts, all these feelings, all these struggles, like, dude, they're all real, man. And it the, the way it comes out, I just feel like this album, it kind of captures just how like, you know, Miles Davis, I think with Bitches Brew, like he really wanted to capture so like the process of creation you know, mm-hmm. and, and, and really record this that. This is the process d- of d- destruction. <laughs> dude, it is. It, 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 I mean, part of it, but it's also, dude, I actually think of it more of the process of releasing all these yeah. things and all these demons inside. Not so much the end result. It's just the process of all of that shit coming out, man. Very much like John Lennon's scream therapy that was manifested pretty heavily in plastic on band. <laughs> Yeah, yeah there's, sometimes there's just a lot to get out. There's a lot to get out. Um, <clears throat> but, dude, I just think, um, you know, the 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 lyrics. I mean, it's one thing to be going through a tough time, be disturbed, have all these things into yeah. lyrically, just be able to convey that, you know. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I hate my dad. I hate my life. You know, I hate I hate my job. I hate all this stuff. It's 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 one thing to sing about that, but to have the music in the sound perfectly sync and match up to that is I, I just think that's what makes this album great. I I, I just do, man. I, I think it's it's hard. Like when I get done listening to it, it, it is emotionally draining. Like I'm tired after I listen to this album because there's just so much going on. Um, I just think it, it, it just goes. It's hard to stay in that place as a listener. I can only imagine what it would be like, like someone who's actually living this. Yeah. Yeah. Some would call it a cry for help. I, you know, there's a, there's just a lot of ways you can take it. Definitely. So, um, you know, I know you kind of, uh, did the cliffs notes version and it is considered a, you know, concept concept album. I'm sure that people out there have a lot of thoughts on, you know, the meaning of the album, how each track fits in, you know, what each track means in, in all this stuff. Um, I have not taken that that deep of a dive. Um, so definitely, if people have thoughts no. and opinions, let us know in, in the comments um, on, you know, what you think things mean. And if there's certain thong, uh, songs that have, you know, touched or you or relate or yeah, or that. And they can or, touch or, you in special ways, too. Or related to like, definitely like, you know, let us know. Let us know what you think. So, yes. Now, one thing I have to say is for me listening to it, I guess I don't really get emotionally affected by it as much as other than just like it's very aggressive. It's very dark. Um, But I, I think to me, 
and this is something that well, I'm sure we'll talk about, is the production of it is so interesting that I'm able to kind of focus on some of the technical aspects and the way things go together and transition sure. where I'm I guess I'm less um I'm less in tune with the like super heavy emotional part that it, the weight that it carries. Yeah, I mean, again, I think I think a lot of people and you look at it from definitely a technical perspective. I think a lot of people, especially, you know, younger kids at the time, were probably reading like the liner notes, man, and like really like reading like what's he's, you know, what is he saying? What is he talking about? And there's a lot yeah. of stuff, you know, the whispers, the background and, and all this stuff. And I think that that, you know, if you read the lyrics and stuff, man, dude, it's it's um, yeah, there's some intense shit. <laughs> there is uh, one thing. Speaking of some of the background stuff, I liked how at least in the the primary article that people would read about it, which is typically Wikipedia, um, kind of references the, the the spots where he pulled things out of movies and that somebody yeah. had like made him a dat tape. And that brought me back just thinking about a dat tape um, of, yeah, of, of just like where those were pulled from. And I love how he kind of uses those samples in a very weird way. I think of the one, I think it's in the becoming, it's like that scream. That's yeah. Dude, that, that, that is, that is, is, is fuck, man. I know oh. it's kind of, it's kind of oh. awesome though. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah. I mean, it's it, it is very cool that he did, you know, pull from from a lot of that stuff. And again, a lot of they said or, you know, he said that a lot of this was, you know, drum loops. He would have even like he just record like 20 minutes of him just like playing shit on the guitar and stuff like that. And, you know, just pull different things. Um, he even in and dude, this is 94, man. But he was he was throwing music. He had a Mac and he was throwing stuff, sounds and things into the computer. And um, that's that's dude. That's I, I know they talk about how advanced Trent Reznor is. But dude, yeah, for, for 1994 and him just like like he didn't get, you know, I'm sure there were people there helping him out. But dude, he's like the main guy doing this yeah. and to have like, you know, other engineers and producers and stuff like he like I like how he likes to get his hands dirty. You know, like he's not afraid to do that. He doesn't say, hey, this is what I want. He makes what he wants. Yeah, you know? yeah. No, that is an interesting distinction. And I, I think it's it's probably because this said that, you know, OK, so we can probably go into this now. So the bulk of it was recorded in the Cielo Drive House where the Manson family murders of Sharon Tate and Tate. those other folks were committed. So, um, wow, that's a start. Um, and it really, I think that really comes through in the in the audio. Yeah. You can really hear the the space. Um, yeah. But it said that he really wanted to by moving in there and using some of the money they had to get a big council and a couple of Studer machines, which typically I would think are two inch, uh, twenty four track reel to reels or you know some the the big tape machines. Mm -hmm. um, and I would want to confirm that because it didn't say that, but uh, I, I yeah. would guess somebody like him who had worked in the because I think he started out working as like a janitor, janitor. super low level in a recording studio. So he had seen how things were done. So my guess is he probably because digital recording at that point was not what it is today. So I'm thinking like tape is still your 
your Bible, probably your go-to. Your, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What if you're really going to do something professional, like that's what you're going to record it on. So I thought yeah. that was cool that they do that. And then in conjunction with that, he is using early computer sampling and which, which makes sense because it, it just seems like it would be way too much to try to multi-track things on a computer. I mean, I heard, I bet you would remember when we would do things in college and sometimes you'd have to render it in real time, like yeah. whatever you did. I heard that back then in which I was, I was a kid, so I wasn't into this stuff yet, but back then it took like three times as long as real time. So you could have done something really cool and been like, Oh, we're going to put this sound on it and then wait for like three hours and be like, eh, that's, that's not really what I wanted. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting sort of time that blends those two technologies. Totally. Totally. Well, kind of going back to the, to the Tate house, I, I've, you like, know, I did, I did read that when he actually, initially got the house he didn't realize it was the tate house it wasn't until he actually moved in that that he that he realized that it was the tate house now i oh. think there's and, and judging by your face there might be conflicting stories on that but I'm, i did i just didn't read I did, that in depth i'd yeah. believe you at this point i did I, I i did you know read that though and also though he um got confronted he, he, by her sister by by her sister yeah. and her sister was basically like look are you, what are you doing this to like exploit my sister cuz i can only imagine you know and and well let me get back to that in a second but you know he had this conversation and you know you know basically said no it's you know it's got kind of not not what i was going for but like the reality of of how this affected someone in someone else's life really kind of sunk in at that point. He thought about, gosh, you know, what if somebody had murdered my sister? And he even said, like, he went home and cried that night. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, you know, that is, it is a heavy, kind of a a heavy thing. But I can only imagine from, like, Sharon Tate's family, like, their perspective of, like, gosh, you know, yeah, this horrible murder happened, right? And it's been publicized. But we've had to deal with this for for like how many years now? And Never now is goes this away. Yeah. Never and now is this away. person and now is this person coming in and trying to exploit it? I even know that, you know, there were some questions around um, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood when Tarantino was was coming up with that movie. The I don't think the sister of the family, I don't think they were over so so thrilled that it was kind of being, you know, well, sort of based around that and everything. That's fair, but like it or not. That happened, and in kind of like his response, it is a it is a dark and interesting and scary part of of like what becomes American folklore, and yeah. the the story is just gonna it's always gonna be a thing whether people yeah. like it or not, and it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, but the the question that I have is why was that house still standing at that point? I would have thought mm-hmm. you would demolish dude. I, I would have like moved out of the neighborhood after something like that happened, let alone that house. But I thought it was interesting that once he left, it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. It was gone. That is interesting. Yeah, I thought, it, this was like the final thing to come yeah. out of it. I and thought it's kind though, of perfect. I feel like I did hear a story though, that he, and I could be wrong. Super fans let us know that he actually did take the front door and brought that, to New Orleans, and that was like part of his studio in New Orleans. I could be wrong, but I swear I heard that somewhere. Maybe mm. I'm wrong. Uh, 
So I would not um, want anything that even looked at that property, let alone yeah, was part yeah. of it. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd definitely be good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, we have we have talked, I guess, um, pretty much about everything and the intensity, the darkness. Um, I know, did fl- find the good. cover art bit interesting because I always wondered what it was and how one came about that cover art. Yep. And it sounds like it was actually a piece that was sort of like a, like a multiple, we'll say multiple media piece where there is like, it was done. I think it set on a piece of wood, but then there was like some surgical tape and like some, it's, it's just kind of a There's cool wires and things. Yeah, yeah. Just, just like a really, and it again, really fits with the whole thing. But one thing I, I did, I did want to talk about is now granted, a lot of this was him. I mean, I guess that day he was working with the drummer for Porno for Pyros, um, who yep. recorded some stuff. But the the other it's interesting member that really got me was Adrian Blue. Now, you may um, remember that we did an episode on Remain in Light by the Talking Heads, and Mr. Yes. Adrian Blue was the gentleman who did a lot of those really cool, almost like Nintendo uh, sounding guitar solos. Yeah. Cause he has a really unique kind of style. Yep. So I thought it was cool that he was called that in and, and did, did stuff on the album. Mm-hmm. Well, flood as a producer also was, was called in to kind of co-produce and, and help out. He had worked with U2 and Depeche mode. Um, and this ended up kind of being the last time they would work together, having creative differences. Um, and essentially, I, it sounds like things came to a head when um, Trent Reznor uh, recorded or wanted to record a song called Just Do It. Um, and uh, I could see how that when, would fit in with the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Dude. It's fucked up though, man. It was either that or think, jump. I don't know. Because <laughs> because think about it. There's that. If you may remember that girl was like texting with her boyfriend and basically told told him to do it. He did it, and then she got charged with I don't know what degree of like manslaughter, but essentially she got she got charged. And it's mm. you know I mean I don't know how far you go as a musician or you know legally like, but I think that's I think that was one of the things a lot of people had a problem with and, and it's it, it reminded me when I kind of the way I think of it like like the movie Natural Born Killers like when they submitted that to the MPAA to get a rating like the MPAA came back with like a whole list of cuts it wasn't just like like one thing that they could pinpoint and say oh take this out or take this out they're just like disturbed at the whole sort of chaos mm-hmm. right of of that 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 movie I feel like a lot of people, that's the problem that they had with this album, too. It's not like, oh, those that that one word or that this yeah, line in the sure. lyrics or this one song like this album just has a heaviness, man. And it has some very again, like we've talked about such serious stuff. Like um, if, if it was a document, there'd be a lot of redactions. Yeah, probably. <laughs> and at that point, it's like, well, you don't you're not going to have much of an album. So um, I figured the whole thing would just do it was he just didn't want to get a cease and desist from Nike. That that was really what I was thinking. It's probably, probably, probably (laughs) what it was. Yeah. So um, what do you say, Grim? Should we go ahead and get into the tracks at this point? I think we can. Yeah. 
I think we can. All right. Well, I'm going to start with track number one, Mr. Self-Destruct. Um, I, dude, so I, I found it really interesting, and I didn't know this before reading this, that the actual, the the initial like beating that you hear in the beginning is from THX 1138, which is George Lucas's film. Now, it started off as a, it was a, oh, I believe it was a student. that's why I know that. Yeah, I believe it was a student film, and then I got funding to get, you know, to have it make it a feature, but he did this before Star Wars. Um, and I think that's for the THX sound gra- thing. Graffiti. Yeah. Yeah. But so, um, and I've actually, I've never, never seen it, but essentially that's what the, the, yeah. And then, and dude, it's, um, I, it's, it's one of the most memorable ways I think to, to start an album. And, uh, it's, 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 pretty great how it just kind of builds and builds and builds and builds and then doosh, and then it just punches oh, and it in do. And, it yeah. do yeah um and that was one of the ones where i think it was most I, I i'm assuming there were other ones but i think that was one of the ones that they noted that adrian blue put in a lot of guitar texturing yeah. and there was ambiance yep. Yeah. For. Well, it's 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 cool, man, because when we saw him live for the first time in Grand Rapids, this is the track they opened up with. Yeah, that, and, was, uh, pretty that was that was pretty sweet, man. Um, but like, you know, it's it's again, there's a lot of lyrics and stuff. You know, I am the needle in your vein. But I think I think my favorite line, I don't know why it's always, I've always been drawn to it is I am the bullet in the gun. You know, I am the truth mm-hmm. from which you run run. Um, dude, I, I just I, I love I love the way he sings it um in in that part the way he comes in man so it's a i'm a i'm a big fan of mr self-destruct mm-hmm. um oh somebody's getting emails mm-hmm. then yeah yeah then we go to trek number two piggy oh i should have said this about mr self-destruct because oh. I, I i believe the same holds true with piggy um but um so Piggy was initially a poem that extended into a full song. And I believe the same um, holds true for Mr. Self-Destruct as well. Ah. So. Um, I know you haven't asked yet, but Piggy's my favorite song on the album. Is it? Oh, dude. Yes. Absolutely. Wow. I just. Wow. <whistles> dun, dun. It is pretty sweet. And that that the the riff is just so good, yeah. so yeah. good. Um, One thing I love is, dude. Before the song starts, you hear him like take a breath. Yeah. Uh huh. Hey, and I, yeah. I really love how the drums uh, they they sort of oh. like get very disjointed and chaotic near the end. Um, did you did you hear or did you read about how like that came about? I did not. So, dude, essentially, man, he was just um, he had set up mics to record and everything he had the drums set up and he was just doing a test he was just going to do like a test you know oh okay Mm -hmm. i'm getting you know just to get levels in the sound and so he recorded it and did the test and he was just like man i like that too much and not to put it in the album so that's just like (laughs) him just like fucking around dude that's sweet yeah yeah Yeah, i I do like that and Mm -hmm. just the way the way that it ends i think is really cool because it's it's probably one of the most subtle parts of the album yeah you know? yeah well it's interesting when they play it live he gets toward like the first half he keeps it pretty chill but then 
but then he like vocally he um you know brings a lot more emotion and stuff to it um and you can see that in the um i mean it's a great dvd set i mean sure you can get it streaming somehow but all and all that could have been um this is one of the songs that's really really good on it um but i think um i i think for the album i think it works better that he he stays kind of level the mm-hmm. the whole time I, I i just think that works works a little better and I like some of the just like the off, like once the organ comes in, that's that's a nice subtle touch, too. But I feel like there's there's these weird sort of distant, like screaming thing that is looped from from some movie or something. And I just I, I that is such a nice touch that adds to the overall feel of just unease throughout. Totally. Like in this sense, it's unease in other senses. It's like downright disturbing, but. Yeah. Right. You know. Right. Yes. All right. Track number three. Do you say how do you even pronounce it? Is it Hersey? Heresy. 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 Yeah, that's that's basically like um a heresy. I thought it was here for the longest time I thought it was like hearsay. (laughs) No, 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 no. A heresy is um is basically like a, a false claim against God or religion, like like people would be burned at the stake for being heretics in the old days, which basically like they would say God doesn't exist or, you know, which very much ties into the lyrics. Definitely. Yeah, it's um, dude, this one. I mean, first of all, I'll just talk about music. Dude, I love the way the song opens, man. Like that, oh, that ding, 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 yeah. ding, 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 you know, like, dude, it's so badass. And then the drums just, you know, mm-hmm. it just crunches, man. Crunch is really hard. Um, I, I I always find the vocals a little funny, like the effect that mm-hmm. he puts on the vocals. It almost sounds like like insects are singing a little bit like it's well, got this weirdness to it. man. There's there's a lot of that throughout. And I think it's most notice most noticeable if you listen to Hurt, especially in headphones, because I want to say it's on the left side. There's okay. like. There's a part of it that's just noticeably like, like fucked up. Like it's yeah. it's 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 it's, it's awkward. It's it's broken. It's like it it doesn't. Broken. Yeah, not to be confused with the album. Um, but there, yeah, there's a lot of that, and I think that's something you hear in a lot of his music where he'll he'll intentionally like do things to like subtly destroy the sound, which is kind of an interesting effect. Definitely. Yeah. And um, it, it, it is cool. And I just I, I just always remember from this song being like, man, those vocals sound there's 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 something about it. It reminds me of like freaking uh, like Starscream from Transformers. Like if he was singing like that's what it would sound like. Yeah. Uh, but dude, this is again, this is one of those songs that, man, I, I'm kind of glad my mom never caught me listening to it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? I mean, I know we went to Catholic school growing up and, you know, we don't have it. We don't have enough time to get into all the what we believe and feel and think and all this stuff. But, dude, just the words of dude, he dreamed a God up and called it Christianity and that God is dead and no one cares if there is a hell. I'll see you there. Um, Like that's that's dude. I mean. There's there's no subtlety there either. You know, it's no. not like you don't even have to take a deeper dive uh, yeah. into, you know, it's it's pretty straightforward, man. And I think that goes back to the earlier comments about like, you know, uh, not to, not to all of a sudden like you get older and be a prude. But 
you do get to a point in realizing what what kids are going through and maybe should or should not be going through. It's not this at like age 12. Yeah. <laughs> or 13 yeah. or whatever I was. Yeah. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I, I couldn't say that even at that time I didn't, you know, disagree with them or anything, but it just I I guess I, I hadn't really come to putting it so eloquently. <laughs> yeah. Very, very is this silver tongue fox, that's for sure. Um all right. Track number four, March of the Pigs. Um, dude, the way this song just kicks off with the drumming is pretty, pretty sweet, man. Um, you know, I, I it's it just hits and it hits really hard. Um, I love the it's interesting because when they do it live, like when they on the recording, they only they you know, it's got the drumming intense part and then it, it doesn't make you feel better. And then they go back to the intense part. And then they end the song with and doesn't it make you feel better when they do it live? They go at like a third time back in, you know, back into the like the intense part again. And I'm curious, like, it's interesting. I'm curious. You know, I love that they do it live. I'm curious if there was like a conscious thought not to do that on the album or if it was almost like after the fact when they were like going to perform it live. They're like, you know what? We should just go back in and kick ass again. Right. Yeah, I feel like it in the context of the record, it almost has to do that because they they do it with that with that seventh chord that they kind of extend and roll up the keyboard a little bit with, and it's I think it's it's needed because everything else is so just you know like like fist in your mouth intense, you know fist fuck yeah. Well, it's I mean that's what's awesome about it too is it just such a great contrast. It makes it it makes it more it's so much more twisted, right? Yeah. Like it makes it so much more twisted because it's like man, we're gonna have all this intense, dark, raw, dirty shit, and then you're gonna see like just like a beautiful glimpse of light for for a minute, right? Yeah. So and everything is all right, and then it goes into closer. Yes. Now I okay. So this has to be a, a top song, even though it was the single. And I, dude, I remember this video being weird as hell because it would come on MTV all the time. And of course, you know, it was censored, but you were you were very keen on what they were saying. And yeah. um, well, and it, even dude, it's the, beyond the lyrics. Just had yeah. such a dude. It's just got a really awesome driving Dude. hot beat beat yeah great riff yeah it's uh, and and like you said you were just talking about the video you know i mean yeah it was I, I mean censored you know lyrically in some parts um and i'm sure a lot of radio stations censored that as well but i mean the 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 video just um you know they they didn't like the monkey on the cross showing him in bondage you know there was a lot of things that they had to cut out and i thought it was fun and creative how they did it i was like you know they put a, something black on the screen it was like scene missing or something like that you know and um yeah you know, this was it, i i didn't i probably didn't see the um the i guess the the uncut full the full one until i got the mark romanic dvd and it, that's if people haven't seen that it's 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 really great it's from the director's series and uh it has the uncut version of it which i know you can get on youtube now i mean you might be able to get the but the the interviews in behind the scenes of them just kind of like talking about creating the video and uh, everything they had to go through. They talk about the censorship and it's great because it's interviews with Trent Reznor and Mark Romanek and everything. And um, it's just it's just a 
you know, they talk about all Ramonic's videos, but I think this, I believe this is the only Nine Inch Nails video he's done. Um, I'm not sure if I'm remembering that correctly, but I Wasn't know he did this one. He's like on a nail, like it looks like a big, and he's just like spinning around or something. Oh, he was like on a on a cable, and he was like, yeah, he was like spinning yeah. around and stuff. And they said that they almost like, I guess they kind of forgot about him, and he kept spinning and spinning, and then he like came down and went over and threw up in the garbage can or something. So, <laughs> um, but in in a weird way, man, and, and now this this is not my scratch, so you know, no spoiler alert here, but there's. There's a part of me that feels like this this song stands out from the rest of the tracks on the album. And I think it's because it's so it, it, the beat, the rhythm. It's, a, it's it the does, accessible one. Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it has like a it 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 does have like this sexiness to it. Like, a you know, it just does. There's something there's something about it that I that to, to me, it sort of evokes those emotions. More, yeah, well, definitely more than any other song on the album. I don't know if it, yeah, it does. Maybe not necessarily consensual, but yes. <laughs> Maybe not lyrically. No, but the, dude, Maybe I just think I, I think the beat and the tone completely does. I mean, oh, um, it's, it's you, awesome. You know, it's 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 great, man. Now I like how they have that the they have that melody at the end of this, much oh. like they do at the end of Piggy, and that melody comes back. It does. It does and to back. me, those those melodies are like cousins. They're they're very closely related, and they belong on the same record, but they're not the same. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and it, they do them is. in a similar way too. It almost sounds like the way the way it sounds is if they were recorded on an acoustic on an on an old acoustic piano, and you're listening to it on a record, and you walk by the record player, and it kind of warbles, warbles a little bit. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. that's kind yeah. of the 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 feeling I did that what it sounds like. I could. I could this is what the world sounds like to me. Yeah, this is what the world sounds like. So we got to track six, Ruiner, dude. This one reminds me a lot of um, Heresy. Um, yeah, yeah, I, it, it just, absolutely. The, it like very... the pulsating synth in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and it, it is a a little bit more of a I don't know if I I guess I'll say like a straightforward song for 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 this album. Um, yeah, it's a very happy you know, song. Um, it is very very happy. Um, but dude, when that heavy part comes in and he sings like, you know, how'd you get so big? How'd you yeah. get so strong? Like, dude, I just love the weight and the heaviness that of that sound of just like those, just how thick it, it those, yes. those synths come in. Man, it's so badass. And again, this has that just some. It almost sounds like a creaking door, but it has that that weird sample that goes with the beat that just gives it that just yeah. general like crawling up your back sort of a feeling. Right, right, definitely. And um, it would have been a great song without it, but that that I, it's funny. I mean, you always knew those were there, but until I really read about it and knew what they were, it mm-hmm. it just it's it's just such the chef's kiss for the whole thing. Yeah. Well, one thing he does do a little different on on this one is there's that middle section where it's it's kind of the obvious section of the song where you put a solo in and he does put a solo in. But, dude, it's it's all fucked up. It's all weird. It's like 
you know it's it's yeah. just it's 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 so weird so it's like the obvious place to put a solo in and he 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 kind of he kind of lets it hang there for a minute before before the solo starts um but it's it's just it's very disjointed and raw and almost in a weird way like like doesn't fit um which i think is is sort you know sort of the point um but yeah i just i've i've always i've always really liked like this song a lot as well so I like um, the next track a lot, the becoming, dude. because sometimes yeah. those ones, much like Heresy and Ruiner, they have that consistent. Tss, tss. It almost reminds me more of like a, uh, like a pulsating sort of techno style beat. Even though this is very far from techno, not saying that at <laughs> all. Just, it, just sort of that consistent drum yeah. and you know, like bass and snare kind of thing. Now, what I like about the becoming is it's more chopped up. It's a little slower and mm-hmm. the synth adds, adds some to that as well, but it just, um, yeah. and the screaming people in the beginning. Yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, this is, here's the thing. If, if I, if I play a song as just like a one-off from this album, it's this song. Like I'll just put it on. Like I, I this has always been, uh, one of my, if not my favorite song on the album. And, um, to me, um, I, I, <laughs> I, I love, so one thing is, is when they, when they play it live, it's sweet. Cause he starts it off on the piano. Like that's how he starts playing. The, the opening part is on the, mm. it, he plays it on the piano. Um, and then, uh, the, having that acoustic part come in 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 the beginning with the or not, not in the beginning, in the in the middle with the strumming and everything i love it because i feel like it's this like he's like letting you up for air for like for like a minute before he like you know pushes your head underwater again mm-hmm. you know what i mean but you do have this like like little little like burst of light that kind of comes through and then, you're, and then down there then somewhere let me take yeah, another look take another look yeah <laughs> um but it's uh, dude definitely one of my one of my um favorite favorite songs off the album yeah um then i'll say interestingly enough now on this is on on the vinyl this is this is where we flip discs so this is where we go to disc two on on the the vinyl and i also i also feel like though this is where the album for me like takes a sort of a sharp left turn i feel like it it really changes um i feel like it gets much yeah i do I, I really feel like the songs change. I feel like there's not the um, uh, almost I say they don't carry as much melody, um, but I feel like the songs don't um, drive and don't, I guess, carry as much melody. I feel like th- it goes it stays dark, obviously, um, but I feel like this is where the album actually gets a little more introspective. Um, mm. that's, well, yeah, OK. And so I just feel like the tone of the album for me has always changed at, at, at this part for some reason. I don't know why. So you actually put it down and you're in you. Maybe you don't want this. I, I yeah, um, I don't want this. <laughs> I do don't even want, don't this. even want the second disc. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just, <laughs> just fucking throw it away. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I do. I do like the song. I do not want this because I, I feel like it's different. This. Um, from a lot of them on the album, it, it's it's more like, um, 
I don't know. It's just not as aggressive, at least yeah. in the the main body of it. It's got it a doesn't nice drive, kind of chopped up, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, I like that kind of syncopated stuff more than yeah. just the same. Sure. Yeah. You know. Um, but I, I, you know, the not that there hasn't been acoustic piano up to this point, but it's it's just a lot. It's clear. It's mm-hmm. it, it seems relatively undistorted or, you know, altered. Yeah. And I mean, you just you don't know just how I feel. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you don't. Yeah. So who can all relate to that? Um, so then we but go. Just to remember, and- feelings are not objective reality. Just remember that. Yeah. Words of wisdom. From Grim. Not from me, but people should Somebody. remember that. <laughs> all right. All right, man. Big Man with a Gun. Bob Dole's favorite song on the album. Well, I could see that. It's yeah. funny because I guess it, it was actually written as like sort of a satire about like the this whole gangster ga- rap culture. Gangster rap. Was in sharp so was, contrast to yeah. what they were doing at the time. Even though this was this was being labeled as that, um, you know. I thought it would be, be, yeah, more against the super gun rights people but i guess maybe that wasn't as much of a thing then as I think back as then now. no it's not it's not yeah. um you know it's it, this one did you know catch I, I think a lot of flag it was like one of the songs they like picked out and they were like yeah it's this one right I, like I, mean, I wonder why i mean yeah um but even trent reznor he even said though about like the i get the album as a whole he's like you know he said the album you know it could be harmful you know uh, through implying and, and subliminally suggesting things. Um, I don't even know how subliminal you'd really have to be. I mean, I, 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 no. I can see where one would, would connect the dots there. Um, yeah, this, but, this is actually pretty direct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely caught some flack, but people were like, like they even said, like, like somebody who was against the song actually, classified it as a rap song and yeah. like yeah. saying it was like gangster rap and stuff and it's just like oh come on don't be these dumbass lame old white politicians who don't know what the hell they're talking about like like you know the funny thing about that is every time we think oh man once our generation gets into office things are going to be different but it's it's really nah. just the same thing a bunch of out of touch rich same assholes honkies yeah like it I don't know. It, that That's never going to change. Um, but the other one that they actually had a big problem with and, and almost didn't make the album subsequently was A Warm Place just because of all, all the... It was so... <laughs> it was too... Just the lyrics were just too much. Too yeah. much. Okay, so... They could tell like he was basically saying all these horrible things to do, but it was just turned down just just enough just so that it's like it was it was, you know, filling people's minds They're like, with if you play things. this if you play the song backwards and upside down like at three yeah. times speed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But this is where we get the um the revival of the riff from closer. Oh, okay. And I can't tell if it was done on a hammered dulcimer or a prepared piano because it sounds like a plucked string, right? It does not sound like a piano where it's, it's being hit with a hammer. 
Um, and so that would either leave me believe it was a it was a, a dulcimer, which is a different kind of way sure. to trigger that, or or just plucking the strings of a piano because it certainly doesn't. It it has a ringing that a guitar string wouldn't have. Right. So Trent, if you're watching, just let us know. We'd be very very curious. After you, you know, like subscribe and comment below. Exactly. So and check out our episode on the fragile and with teeth. You'll like it. Um, As but, did so, we. This is an interesting and probably a good spot for like an instrumental song like this. Uh, it does again. Yeah. It it gives us time to breathe for more than a, a, a quick second. Now, I could also just with the sort of the 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 song, the space in the feel of it. I actually make the argument that it, it would it would feel um, uh, it would belong on the fragile because I feel like the fragile oh. has like more yes. of that sound and in, in tone. Air. And everything. Um, and it just doesn't feel as like, again, this is, you know, is claustrophobic, I guess, is the rest of mm-hmm. as the rest of the album. So I, I could see it, you know, see that song being. But uh, it's, you know, again, in the in the subtleties, in the background, it's like you just kind of get these like buzzing and these just weird textural well, things that that still make it. Well, here's the a thing. Little off. Yeah. And again, I don't want to get too deep into all the meaning and stuff because. You know, I'm probably way off on a bunch of stuff, but it's interesting. Like if you do follow this and sort of follow this is I guess you want to say is like a story, you know, and someone who's going through a lot of you know depression, mixed emotions, drug, you know, drug, drug addicted, drug addiction, all that, all this stuff. Freeway killers. killers. <laughs> um, you know, a, a song like A Warm Place is like Ask it's like this. It's like this a warm place it's like this spot where you know things are just kind of like leveled out for a minute and you think oh like like i'm good i'm okay i'm okay but then dude a racer comes in right and dude it's slowly terrorists. Dude, it, it, it slowly builds and what i feel yes. like it almost sounds like insects like starting to like buzz around your head and it just yeah dude it slowly builds up and just like when you thought like oh dude i'm out of it i'm good like it slowly creeps back in, man. It, dude, it just gives me like such an uneasy feeling. I know. Now, Eraser is one that I could just put on as a standalone. As a one-off. Yeah, dude. Always, always like this one. Well, dude, it's interesting, man, because it just had it's slowly like I forget. I don't know how long. How long is the song? The song is just under five minutes. But dude, the first like you know three and a half minutes it's just building and building and has this long intro um before he starts like singing and really getting into it uh yeah it's 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 pretty cool man and is that the one yeah it's the guitar me 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 like the way he just you just kind of just bending them until it digs into your fingers like that's that's what it sounds like yeah um i want to listen to that now I know. I don't want to listen to it again. So it was just a good thing, man. Even though it was emotionally draining and I listened to it yesterday and I listened to it today, I kind of want to listen to it again. Like I, really I know, do. me too. So um, I think part of it's I, I, you know, I I haven't had my time with this album for, for a while. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. You, you do have to sort of be kind of like in the right headspace. At least I do in the right headspace to be like, yeah, I'm just going to just listen to the downward spiral. So. Yeah, which um, is funny because I, uh, you know, in our quest to always hold up the vinyls, I do not have this one on vinyl, but they they have a copy of it at the library that people can take out. I'm like, would not have thought that this would be in that collection, but that's a here good we one. are. 
Yeah, that's good. Uh, kids, get this with your KDL library card, the downward spiral. <laughs> yeah. All right, moving on. Trek 12, Reptile. Um, I feel like, to me, this is the most industrial song on the album. Um, like the, the really? way it begins. Yeah. Like the way it begins, it has like this factory sound loop. And then like when the beat comes in, it's, it's very mechanical, very systematic. Like to me, it sounds like something almost like there's like stuff in the background going on. And I'm like, dude, I feel like this is like Terminator movements. Like when you, like when you hear the term, like the robot and stuff oh, moving and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. Like there's I, some I get a Skynet in there for sure. There's definitely. Yeah. Um, but I feel like this. I, I like I guess, the acoustic guitar in the middle, though. That's an interesting contrast. I wouldn't say middle, but in like the breaks, the contrast sure. is nice. Yeah. I, it's, now, do you it, like this song, "Reptile," better or "Reptile" on the them Crooked Vultures? Uh, reptiles. On the, oh, that would have been a good know. songs of the, songs same, of the name. same name. Oh well. Thanks, um, fans. That was a great format that we thought was cool. But no one thought it was did. great. No one else did. Well, they just weren't ready for it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I don't know. I just felt like I felt like this song, I got I got a very like pretty hate machine vibe on it. And so maybe Mm. that's where I kind of like I I identify with it there. Okay. now, Graham, we go to the title track. Yeah, we do. The Doward Spiral. Yeah. So this has, I guess, sort of like a kind of going down down. Well, it has a long, dreary kind of opening, which which makes sense. Um, but yep. dude, it also sounds like he's playing, you know, the the ending piano part of of um, what do you call it of closer. It sounds like he's like plucking that and playing that on the acoustic guitar, mm-hmm. um, which I which I think is really cool. Um, and then like in the background, I feel like I hear sort of like these tones from Hurt and, and stuff come in um, yes. now. You know, and again, this is a tough one. I can see how people would take issue with the lyrics. Um, you know, he not really he, sure why he put the gun into his face, bang, so much blood for such a tiny little hole. Problems do have solutions, you know, of lifetime of fucking things up fixed. Okay, like I, I know we've. Okay, we've, we're nitpicking, but it's, you know, <laughs> this, uh, uh, man, this is just some, dude, some, some intense, heavy shit, but, um, uh, but it's the title track and, you know, it really so ties, go. really ties the album together. All right. Oh, absolutely. Just with that little hole and all the, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Hurt is almost like the, um. Uh, like the PS in a letter. <laughs> well, a lot of people will, a lot of people have the theory that it is like essentially like a suicide note. Um, people have that oh, theory. Oh, um, that's other, actually a real, yeah. I, I'm going to say it's true. It's true. Other, pe- other people say it basically describes the difficult decision to find a reason to live in spite of all the depression and pain. So those are just two of the theories that I've read about. I'm sure people out there have other theories. And I like you theory know. one. I think that's right. And are in this serious? age, <laughs> and in this age, all you got to do is state your opinion as if it's a fact. And apparently that holds. It does. So, so yeah. Um, 
But what if, yeah, you I mean, know what Costanza says? It's not a lie if you believe it. Believe it, it. <laughs> makes sense. Um, you know, we won't get into the sort of the Johnny Cash part of this because we have done a full episode uh, on the uh, oh. uh, Johnny Cash Nine Inch Nails cover. So, you of know, Hurt. do your thing. Right. So Driving check it out on our channel. Um, now, this is where I wanted to talk about it's interesting to listen to in headphones and you hear like the deliberately disturbed parts. And it's it's just um, it really makes sense musically with the context of the album. Yeah, uh, I need to check it on headphones. <laughs> yeah, I should have listened to this album on headphones. I don't, I don't know why I did, because it is. With the production and the things that he does, like, you know, listening to it on your computer or even even on vinyl, if you got a good stereo. But, man, you're going to hear so many more textures and layers of things that, you know, you're just just not picking up like just. And the panning is just better because it's because everything's more or less isolated. There's no crossover, no bleed. And you really kind of get that. But, yeah. Yeah. So. um. All right, Grim. Well, this is the part of the show where we have to scratch a track. And now this is very hard to do on this album because it's a great album. It's a classic. As it is with everyone. As it is with everyone. No exception. But if you want to play the game, you got to play the game. So. Now, what are you going to scratch with on this one? I don't know. I mean, you can't really scratch with a gun. I guess you could shoot a hole in it. Because that seems like the weapon of choice here. I don't know, though. Dude, there's a part of me that just feels like I feel like a jagged, like rusty nail or something like that. Just Ooh, a nine inch long one, a nine inch long, <laughs> rusty, just nail. Yeah. So like a um, railroad spike. Exactly. So are you scratching first or am I? I think you are. I feel okay. like this is this is the one you got to scratch first. OK, uh, yeah, for me, it actually it, 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 it wasn't that hard, although I felt like this did give us a uh, a a moment or a few moments just to kind of collect ourselves before the the rest of the album. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and scratch a warm place. Um, the instrumental track of the album. Um, you know, I like it. I think it, I think it fits the album. And if you want to talk about sort of a, um, if you want to get into, you know, a deep concept and everything, I think having this song and then how it kind of flows into Eraser and how Eraser builds. I think it's great. But um, it's also like probably not a song I just just need to have on. And like I said, like I get a lot of that space and everything. If I if I want to hear that, that's kind of when I put on the fragile. So. Wow, I was getting ready to hit the horn, but no such luck today. Yeah. What do you got? Well, um, never thought I'd put it like this but i'm gonna go ahead and side with mr bob dole and uh scratch with scratch a big band with a gun um because that to me that's like uh put it this way if the movie requiem for a dream was a song it would be this song it's like (laughs) i've listened to it i understand what it is but i don't ever need to listen to it again Right. And I honestly, like I would probably skip this one regularly just because it's, it's so, I I mean, it's like, it's like every school shooting put to music. It's, it's just, it's a little too much for me. I just, I don't need to go that, that far down into the depths. Yeah, that's fair. 
that's fair. I can, I can, it, it's hard to argue with that. Um, but that's why I picked it. So it's not, that's why I'm listening. That's why I say it, it, it's not the, uh, it's not the, the one you'll just put on be like, ah, you know, I just, no. man, I really like, ah, I haven't no. heard enough of big man with the end. Well, it is a, it also a pretty, pretty short track. At well, like if somebody were to say, Hey, can you tell me what is the best thing ever about nine inch nails in three minutes and 22 seconds? I just put on three minutes and 22 seconds of a different song. <laughs> There's got to be a song, dude. A warm place, which is three minutes and twenty two seconds. <laughs> so, oh shit, sorry, I meant one minute and thirty six seconds. seconds. I looked at the wrong line. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you have one minute and thirty six seconds to tell me about nine inch nails. Go, and I'd be like, well, well listen to like uh, you know, with like one thirty six left of, of closer piggy. <laughs> exactly. So. Well, Grim, I think that pretty much wraps us up here. It has been a wonderful time discussing this album. As intense and heavy and dark as it is, I find it absolutely beautiful, and I'm really glad. I'm ready for a therapy session. I don't know about you. I already had mine. I'm good. Um, (laughs) So maybe I'll just listen to this album instead. But, um, yeah, I think that wraps it up. What do you say, Grim? Yeah, give us the nod below. and comment below. What would you scratch and why? Do you agree with Bob Dole? Don't say your I, balls. What the fuck is that <laughs> yeah. shit? So, yeah. on that note, it is time to go on the Dude and Grim Show. Doing Grim Show. Scratch and Track is produced by the Dude and Grim. Additional music provided by Moore and the Tings. Copyright 2023. The Dude and Grim Show. 